0: I want to also let you know that we have a wonderful um, preacher today. It's our own Reverend Dr. Strong. Doug Strong preaching. He is the Paul T. Walls Professor of Wesleyan Studies at SPU. And some of you here today may have even been in his classes or are currently in one of his classes. He is ordained in the United Methodist Church. And Dr. Strong is the author of numerous books and articles. And I encourage you to Google them and read them. He has uh, some incredible books out there. And uh, he was key to establishing SPU's graduate theology program at the Seattle Pacific Seminary. He is married to Cynthia Strong, sitting right there. And we are so thankful that they join us in worship and attend here at First Church. So um, I would like to just thank Dr. Strong for preaching and sharing God's Word with us. And now for our scripture reading.
1: Our scripture passages today are selected from acts twenty eight and from Second Timothy one and two. Hear now the word of the Lord. When we entered Rome, Paul was permitted to live by himself with a soldier guarding him. Paul lived in his own rented quarters for two full years and welcomed everyone who came to see him, unhindered and with complete confidence he continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will to promote the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share the suffering for the good news depending on God's power. Remember Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead and descended from David. This is my good news. This is the reason I'm suffering to the point that I'm in prison like a common criminal, but God's word cannot be imprisoned. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good morning. It's good for me to be here preaching at First Free, and uh, I'm so glad to welcome either those here in sanctuary or those online. The scripture that Andrew just read is from the very, the first scripture, the Acts scripture, is from the very last part of the book of Acts. In fact, it's the last verses in the book of Acts. But before we dive into the text, uh, let's pray together. Lord God, uh, we desire peace in this world. Uh, There's so much conflict uh, abound, about uh, conflict in our world. We pray especially for peace um, in Ukraine. Pray for the people there. We pray for peace in our own hearts. We recognize that we are anxious. We are often without peace. And we know that you are the one who gives peace that's beyond any understanding. And so we pray for that today. And Lord, we pray also that as we hear your word, Try to apply this to our lives. That we will hear the way, hear from you, the way that we are called to be your disciples here and now. And in Christ's name, that we pray. Amen. This uh, snippet of the story that Andrew just read uh, actually needs some background, and so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Paul, who, of course, uh, in case you don't remember was a persecutor originally, a persecutor of the church, uh, went after Christians, uh, was trying to put them in prison, and then he then the Lord Jesus appeared to him in a dramatic way, and he had a conversion to Christ, and changed completely from way to, one way to the other. From, a, from being a persecutor, he became a proclaimer of the gospel, and he was so effective that not only did Gentiles, that's non-Jews, come to believe, but also... His fellow Jews, many of them, came to believe. But this caused a problem with Jewish authorities because they didn't want their people to be converted to Christianity. And so they tried to find a way to get at Paul. He was so effective. And they, their way to do it was to come up with some trumped-up charges that they gave to the Roman authorities and said, will you prosecute? In fact, they pestered the Roman authorities to see if they would prosecute Paul. And so he had to appear before the Roman governor and the Judean king, uh, actually twice before governor, two different Roman governors. And then uh, they put him in prison for a while. In, uh, this was in Judea. And he's, uh, they're, they're trying to find a way, to, the, the leaders are trying to find a way to execute him, get him executed on the charges. At this point, he realizes how devious they are and so he works very hard Paul does to figure out a way and he realizes that as a Roman citizen he can appeal directly to Caesar and so he does that he appeals to the Emperor and that means he's shipped off literally in a ship off to Rome which takes a perilous journey of months until he finally gets to Rome on the way there's a shipwreck he's uh, bitten by a snake uh, which is a poisonous snake but he survives that He's there's almost uh, he's nearly famished. So he's going through all these things and finally arrives at Rome. And he's put under guard uh, and uh, waiting uh, for the time when he can appear before uh, Caesar. And he's under surveillance all this time. And although Paul was in custody, the, custody, the text says he was... In, Andrew read this, permitted to live by himself with a soldier guarding him. Well, what this means is he was under house arrest in his own rented quarters, even though he had constant surveillance so that he couldn't escape. Well, how humbling and discouraging would that be? For two full years, Paul remained in this situation, waiting for the prosecution to prepare the case. The conditions of his captivity didn't permit him to go anywhere. He couldn't leave. He was actually chained. But anyone who wished to visit him could come to visit him. And the fact that he was under this kind of house arrest means that the Roman authorities actually didn't think he was very dangerous. So they were going to allow him to do that. But on the other hand, the charges against them were very serious. And if we can believe church tradition, eventually those charges would lead to his execution. While having to deal with the deception of his opponents and the unpredictability of all kinds of natural calamities, Paul now had to spend two years being cooped up in an apartment, uncertain of the future, wondering what would come next. Oddly, Paul's predicament reminded me of some aspects of my life over the last two years. Though obviously my situation isn't nearly as serious as his, but how about you? Two years of being cooped up, that's what the text says. Uncertain of the future, wondering what comes next. Restrictions, challenges, a roller coaster of emotions. Can you relate? (laughs) Instead of severe storms and snake bites, the natural calamities that we deal with are wildfires and pandemics, but they're still life-threatening. And we've also had two years of having to stay at home most of the time. we faced forces of nature we can't control, bad actions by other people, the political machinations of one group against another. In short, we've experienced uncertainty and discouragement and anxiety. And in light of all that Paul went through, the confinement and restrictions that he had to deal with, the last two verses of the book of Acts are simply astounding to me because nothing is mentioned about the constraints that he's under. This is what the scripture says. Paul welcomed everyone who came to see him. Unhindered and with complete confidence, he continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three things for us to notice in this brief scripture about Paul's proclamation while under confinement. And by analogy, I would say there are also three things for us to consider about how God expects us to act during our times of restriction and uncertainty. We notice first the condition for our proclamation of the gospel, second, the content of the proclamation of the gospel, and third, the character. Of the proclamation of the gospel. First in this scripture passage we read about the condition for our proclamation of the gospel and that is what I mean by that are the conditions that are necessary for the message to be heard persuasively. The text says you will read it there that Paul welcomed everyone who came to see him. He offered hospitality to all who visited This inclusivity represents the all-embracing message of the New Testament. Paul invited everyone to hear about the good news. So the condition that made Paul's proclamation so effective was that he was hospitable. He gladly received all who came. One of our tasks as disciples of Jesus is to welcome without question those who come seeking. We're called to be inviting of anyone and everyone. Now that doesn't necessarily mean we agree with everyone. Certainly Paul in Rome didn't agree with everyone and we in Seattle won't agree with everyone. But we still need to receive folks with love and care. Interestingly most of the people who were most like Paul culturally didn't receive the gospel, his fellow Jews. It was the people who were not like him culturally, the Gentiles, who responded most eagerly to his message. We too need to be open and inviting to those who aren't like us culturally. The demographics of our city and even this neighborhood are drastically changing with the influx influx of thousands of techies and diverse people from all over the world and college students who hail from a much wider range of backgrounds than those who enrolled in past years, and many of these people with beliefs and practices that seem utterly incomprehensible to us, it seems as if we've been placed in the middle of a Rome-like metropolis. How will we engage? with those folks. Paul was so confident of who he was in Christ, so comfortable in his own skin as a believer, that he gladly received everyone and didn't concern himself with the differences. We're called to be in the world, witnessing to a power unknown to the world. Throughout the book of Acts, unexpected converts were being made. Paul, who was now bearing the message to Rome, for example, was once a dreaded enemy of God. The Ethiopian who accepted the gospel was an outsider from a different race. Cornelius, who converted to Christ, was a foreigner. Who in our spheres of influence might be enemies of God or outsiders or foreigners who need to be invited in to our lives, to our church? What will it mean for you, for me, for this church to welcome everyone who comes to us? Even small steps can be significant. I recently heard about one long-standing member of First Free who has been deliberately dressing in a more casual way on Sunday mornings just so that she can make visitors feel more comfortable if they're not used to dressing up. The externals of how a person looks, or dresses or behaves are so, so unimportant compared to the opportunity that we have to be witnesses to Jesus. Such a winsome witness is possible for every one of us, whether we're in the sanctuary today or even those watching online. I have a good friend who I'll call Carol who is a committed Christian, very committed Christian, and she's a member of another church here in Seattle Like most of us, Carol has experienced a lot of constraints during COVID, including the shutting down of her workplace for months and her recently needing to get knee surgery while the hospital has had pandemic limitations. Until her knee acted up, Carol went on regular walks around Green Lake with two friends, two walking buddies, neither of whom happened to be believers. But because she's shared her life honestly with these walking buddies for five years, they've learned to trust each other. Carol told me that just last week, because she can't walk now due to her knee, the three friends decided to Zoom together. And on the Zoom call, out of the blue, both of Carol's walking buddies asked her if they could come to church with her once she's able to get around. Carol was thrilled and amazed by their interest in wanting to be in wanting to find out more about the Lord. And I asked her, I said, what do you think sparked their interest? And she said, I don't know, I'm just who I am with them. That's exactly the point. If, as Jesus' disciples, we are just who we are with folks, Even in these strange times, God will open doors for us to share the gospel with others, perhaps even virtually. Paul kept an open door to anyone who would listen and to consider the message. The book of Acts is declaring that we need to have a welcoming disposition, and that will allow the gospel to spread to the entire world. So first, we hear in this scripture passage about the condition necessary for effective proclamation of the gospel. That is, a posture of humility to all who come. Second, we need to hear about the content of the message of the gospel. The scripture says that Paul, quote, continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. The content of Paul's proclamation remained the same as it always had been, the very same gospel he had always preached, Jesus and the kingdom of God. This phrase, to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, is a summary of the content of the whole New Testament. And what is that message? The Lord Jesus Christ and God's kingdom is just shorthand for God's invitation to us to put our trust in Christ and for us to live out a life of obedience through loving relationships with others, especially with the poor and the oppressed and those who are suffering. And when we do that, God's good reign will begin to come about on earth as it is in heaven. Not even the fact of captivity caused Paul to soften the content of this message. While he welcomed everyone who came to see him, he didn't compromise or minimize his proclamation one little bit. His message was still all about Jesus and the kingdom of God. Eugene Peterson, an SPU alum and famous Bible teacher, came to Seattle several times, often preaching from this very sanctuary. I remember one time when Eugene came to speak, and a former SPU president invited Eugene and his wife to dinner. And I happened to be invited that evening, too. What struck me that was that Gene didn't put on any airs. Though a gifted writer, he was actually a very introverted person. And he didn't really enjoy social occasions with people he didn't know. In fact, he was really pretty awkward during the entire evening. But one thing was clear. Throughout the conversation, when some of the others tried to get Eugene to talk about his accomplishments or the honors that he'd received, he kept switching the topic to talk about the breathtaking things that God was doing throughout the world. He just kept sharing about Jesus and God's kingdom. The lesson I learned that evening was that we should just be ourselves wherever we go, genuine and authentic, comfortable in our skin, speaking the same gospel message. That's what Paul did as he lived under house arrest, and this is what we're called to do during these days of constraint and anxiety. And uncertainty and so this scripture tells us first about the condition of the proclamation of the gospel which is inclusive hospitality and second the content the content of the proclamation of the gospel which is about Jesus and God's kingdom and third the scripture tells us about the character of the proclamation the character of, God's, of Paul's proclamation was one of courage and boldness. The text says that Paul taught the message unhindered and with complete confidence. No impediment silenced him. Nothing, including prison, persecution, and possible death, hindered Paul's ability to minister. Complete confidence, that's what typifies the character of Christian witness. Throughout the entire book of Acts, the witnesses to Christ spoke with joyful boldness. Paul held nothing back as he openly shared with everyone about Jesus and the kingdom. Though Paul was incarcerated, the message about Christ was unfettered. The second scripture passage that Andrew read earlier, the one that came from 2 Timothy, expresses this same point. Remember Jesus Christ. Who was raised from the dead and descended from David. This is my good news. This is the reason I'm suffering to the point that I'm in prison like a common criminal. But God's word cannot be imprisoned. Despite opposition, the progress of God's word about salvation to all people is taking place. No matter how tension-filled or restricted our life is, wherever the gospel is shared, an open door is offered to the presence of God. But we aren't expected to be the ones who have to muster up this confidence on our own within ourselves. The boldness that we need is given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. These three things, then, the offering of the gospel to everyone, the consistent gospel message about Jesus and the kingdom, and God's gift of bold confidence. These are the lasting impressions of the book of Acts. These descriptions that come from the end of Acts tell us about the condition and the content and the character of the proclamation of the gospel. This short story about Paul stands as a challenge and a charter to all of us who now hear it were to follow paul in mission and devotion to christ as we welcome everyone the book of acts doesn't divulge what eventually happened to paul we can only speculate why acts concludes the way it does the book has an open ending with the word of god still being preached And the Spirit still active. We see in this scripture how the bold proclamation has reached out to include all people, to anyone who will listen. Paul has been delivered from the forces of nature. He triumphed over the most dreaded powers. The proclamation wasn't silenced when Jesus died, nor with the stoning of Stephen, nor would the story end with Paul's death. Nothing can stop the Gospel witness. Now I don't in any way want to deny the real challenges that we have to overcome during these difficult days and the real suffering that people are enduring. But nonetheless, the message of the book of Acts is determined to encourage believers by telling a positive story of the forward advance of God's truth. This is the story that a despondent and disillusioned church needs to hear right now. You and I are the continuation of the story of Acts. Living here, between the times as we always have, there's work for the church to do. We need not cower from confrontation with the future, fearful of some terrible end, fearful of immigrants or viruses or terrorists or Russians or people whose values don't align with ours. There may be challenges, but there have always been challenges for Jesus' disciples. Our hope as believers lies as it always has, not in our physical safety or in better public health conditions or any other false security. Our hope lies in the hands of a loving and powerful God. Here, in our church and in other churches throughout this city and throughout the world, the story continues. The mandate that Jesus' message will be spread to the ends of the earth is still in force. We must must continue to be faithful to proclaim the gospel unhindered. Even though he was confined by Caesar, Paul continued to witness, unhindered. Even when Paul was later murdered by the state, the gospel continued, unhindered. And now, two millennia after the book of Acts, we're reminded that despite pandemics setbacks, threats of war, pastoral changes, internal conflicts, and our own lethargy or cowardice, our gospel proclamation will continue to the very end of the earth by God's grace, unhindered and with complete confidence. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we recognize our own anxiety, our own unwillingness to allow you to take full control of us and the lives we lead. Lord, we ask that you would come in by the power of your spirit, that you would give us bold witness, not on our own doing or our own building up in ourselves, but from you. And we pray that that will occur so that we can reach out to everyone, all who you bring near to us. That they may also come to know you and that together we may help to bring about the kingdom of God. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.